On September 8th, 2015, the first episode of Set Lusting Bruce was released. To celebrate our anniversary month, I plan to put out a new episode every day this month. If you're not part of our Patreon group, please think about supporting the podcast by making a small monthly donation. Everyone who joins gets a personal thank you card from me and a Set Lusting Bruce sticker. During this month, I'd love to get some new reviews on iTunes and other podcast players. If you haven't rated the podcast before, please go to wherever you get your podcast and leave a rating, hopefully five star, and let people know why you love the podcast. Hope you enjoy this month of episodes. And now on to the show. My first time hearing Rush, because I grew up in a small town called Port Perry, which is like 45 miles northeast of Toronto. And it was like a community of two, 3,000. And this is in pre-internet, pre-Spotify, pre-YouTube. Yeah. All the music we got was off the radio. And my ex, ex, uh, access to radio was pretty limited because the only radio we had was in the house. And it was a stereo and it was my parents. So I, could, I couldn't really listen to yeah. what I wanted to. But I was hanging out with some friends and this one friend, he had a car. And he had an eight track player and he pulled out this big <laughs> humongous hunk of plastic and, and he stuck, said, you got to hear these guys. So he stuck it in and it was Rush, their first album, which is quite a bit different than all their other albums. It's the bands had a different drummer at that time. Their big hit off that saw album was Working Man. They call me a working man. I guess that's what I am. Da, 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 da. So it's a very basic straight ahead kind of rock song. I... I didn't mind them at the time, but I was much more into the Beatles, the Guess Who, Bachman Turner Overdrive, that kind of yeah. stuff. Uh, and <clears throat> my appreciation of Rush has grown more as an adult than when I was younger. Because as I mentioned to you off the top, they're not a party band. Uh, they don't right. play party music. their music when you're just chilling out hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of set lusting bruce your podcast all about bruce springsteen his music and mostly his fans i am your host jesse jackson joining me today in a very wonderful special episode as i'm going through 30 days of springsteen episodes mm. lou is one of my oldest podcast friends mm -hmm. and not in age just in length lou well, and both <laughs> yes that's true both of you and i yeah. yeah um lou was one of the podcast hosts in the farscape podcast that i started doing years ago mm -hmm. uh, we have remained friends we have talked we have done a couple of during the 80s reboot podcast we did stephen king books of the 80s and oh yes and yes. then we went to uh, dragon con together one year yes we did dragon con together yeah and we that currently are doing 
a Babylon 5 rewatch for me, a new watch for him. And we do just random sci-fi TV stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've talked the English, which was Lou's suggestion, which was amazing. And that's actually a Western. It is a Western. Yeah. That it was totally ungenre. Yeah. Station 11. We just had done a lot of great stuff. Mm -hmm. He is a huge. Yeah. Oh, and coming up, we've got a new one. Your guy's got a new one coming up in yes. October, right? Edgar Allan Poe, yep. Yeah, well, I'm, so I'm looking forward to see what he does. But mm-hmm. Mike Flanagan for the yes, Flanagan Mike for Flan- those who yes. don't know. Yeah, Mike Flanagan, just truly a someone that I had never spent any time with, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I do not like horror, but I like his. He is <laughs> a good I, writer. That's why I'm pushing Jesse to watch his other Netflix series, especially for you. I think you'd like the Bly Manor series because it's. But like the English, it's a romance story at, at its roots yeah. or at its heart. So it's a really good. Yeah, the house, the haunting of Hill House, is a. It's also a love story, but it's a family love story. But it's definitely more horror focused than. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So being from Canada, we did do a special <laughs> where he, Karen, and I talked about the tragically hip, mm-hmm. and I loved spending time with that band Mm -hmm. so i reached out to lou and i said hey during this 30 days of 30 episodes i'd love to have you join me and he said i've got two we can talk rush and we can talk tom cochran so we're Mm going to do rush today and we're going to do tom cochran another time okay so cool what about rush why did you want to talk about rush Rush is a very interesting band in contrast to the Tragically Hip, who I think are, are I don't I don't want to term them a pop band, but they're a much more of a a social gathering party type band. Whereas Rush is in a way is you're like your Pink Floyd, you know, your solo listening to experience type of group. They're very technically proficient. They're Neil Peart, the drummer, is often rated as one of the two or three all-time top drummers. We got John Bonham and uh, Keith Moon, and Neil Peart is right in there. Some say he is the best. I'm a Canadian, so I'm prejudiced. I think he is the best drummer, technically. He does a 10-minute live performance, I believe, in Germany. And it's just amazing. He's got like a 360 degree drum kit and he actually halfway through the set flips his chair around to the other side and and continues playing. So amazing drummer. And they're also a hometown band for me because I grew up in the Toronto area and Rush is from Toronto. And they consist of only three members. And if you listen to their songs, Jesse, I don't know if that you were struck by how much music there was actually in their songs, but it's only three of them. Uh, so you have Neil Peart, who's the uh, lead singer and bass player. Or sorry, Neil Peart's the drummer, and he wrote most of the lyrics. Geddy Lee is the bass player and lead singer. He also does keyboards, and Alex Lyson plays lead guitar. And their music is much more esoteric, and I, it's much more philosophical. They don't write the typical boy meets girl, let's let's party songs or oddly enough, they do have a couple of songs about riding a car, Red Bruschetta, 
for those of you in the know out there. And so they just have a really uh, eclectic range of music. They're termed a progressive rock band. They've they're all they were all heavy readers. Uh, if you've ever if you watch their uh, documentary, it's quite a hoot because they fronted for of all bands, Kiss, who is the antithesis of what Rush is. And Gene Simmons talks about, yeah, they're really nice guys. And then, but after the party, he says like we'd be going out, getting all the girls in our room, and we'd bang on their door and say, "Come on, join the party!" And I'll be there. You all be sitting in the room reading books. <laughs> so <laughs> they're quite a different band in that respect from a lot of rock bands. And in contrast to like the Tragically Hip, who Jesse, you've uh, sampled now, and Gord Downey is obviously a he's a very charismatic performer. He's a good front man, and he's got a very great stage presence, whereas Rush is very much just doing the music, playing the songs, and their goal was to sound as good live as they did on their albums, and they were very good at doing that. And I sh- one clip I, I sent you was YYZ. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that one. Sure. That was the uh, live and real. The energy of the crowd was just so fantastic for, and that was just a, that's just an instrumental. And YYZ is the call signs for the Toronto airports. Every time they were on tour, anytime they got near back to Toronto and they heard that the call sign or saw it, that that struck a chord with them and they decided to write that song. And that's a very interesting song. It's rock, it's jazzy. It's got some great solos with for each of the players in the band. And if you listen to that version and then listen to the studio version, there's hardly any difference between the two. It's pretty amazing. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Going to, is there any questions that you have at this point, Jesse? No, or you, it, maybe I should ask you, what did you think of them? Because I, I know your taste in music, I think, run a little more 
uh, what's the right word traditional or you like bruce's older stuff or newer stuff i think then yeah, more than and, his young newer older yeah, stuff i was a child of am radio in the 70s mm-hmm. yep same and, here in fact i did want to talk to you about that but i'll get to that in a minute so i i remember some of my buddies loving rush oh okay didn't click with me i didn't Mm. understand it and so as i was listening to it 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 did not have an emotional catch to me no like with the tragically hip that it spoke to me emotionally either the lyrics or the songs Mm -hmm. or the story it connected to me somehow right on this it was more that's interesting but it <laughs> wasn't that was the kind of reaction you would have yeah <laughs> but it's not something that i go wow that's interesting but i did want to go back just a little bit can mm-hmm. you remember when you first heard them and what about them spoke to you why well, did you find them interesting it's interesting that you bring ask me that question because and I'm going to really date myself here. My first time hearing Rush, because I grew up in a small town called Port Perry, which is like 45 miles northeast of Toronto. And it was like a community of two, 3,000. And this is in pre-internet, pre-Spotify, pre-YouTube. Yeah. All the music we got was off the radio. And my ex, ex uh, access to radio was pretty limited because the only radio we had was in the house. And it was a stereo and it was my parents. So I, could, I couldn't really listen to yeah. what I wanted to. But I was hanging out with some friends and this one friend, he had a car and he had an eight-track player. And he pulled out this big, <laughs> humongous hunk of plastic and he stuck, you got to hear these guys. So he stuck it in and it was Rush, their first album, which is quite a bit different than all their other albums. It's the bands had a different drummer at that time. Their big hit off that saw album was Working Man. They call me a working man. I guess that's what I am. Da, 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 da. So it's a very basic, straight ahead kind of rock song. I I didn't mind them at the time, but I was much more into the Beatles, the Guess Who, Bachman Turner Overdrive, that kind of yeah. stuff. Uh, and <clears throat> my appreciation of Rush has grown more as an adult than when I was younger, because as I mentioned to you off the top, they're not a party band. Uh, They don't play party music. Their music when you're just chilling out, smoking a beer or smoking a beer, drinking a beer, having a drink or smoking a doobie, whatever. Yeah. And as you get older, you get tired of uh, pop songs because they're, they're, they're generically like today. I I don't know what your opinion of today as a pop music, but, and it's a cheap complaint because everybody says that about the music they don't like, but it, it, it's right. all the same. It all sounds the same. It's all about partying and meeting a girl and that, and it's much more. You got auto tune, and it's much more yes artificial. Whereas with these guys, like they still had their hooks into rock and jazz early roots of that stuff so i came to appreciate them more as i grew older and <clears throat> i appreciate their technical proudness their ability and i think one of the reasons why their songs don't grab people is because they fool around with time signatures quite a lot so they don't give you the common 
reforming they go all over the place with some other stuff which is why they were termed a progressive rock band i could think of one song in particular jesse i don't know if you had a chance to listen to was the spirit of radio yes you listen to that song so that yeah. song's going on that's probably one of their more conventional songs but then all of a sudden in the back half they go into a reggae beat <laughs> and yes. people are going like what the hell is this and this is a band that does transitions better than anybody they can play a really hard driving chord and then switch over to that reggae beat which uh, and do it seamlessly like it you're listening to it, it says how did they do that but they're able to pull off that kind of stuff and some of their albums were concept albums so i i came to appreciate them more as i grew disenchanted with the music of the day and i think that's probably a common thing for uh, everybody as they grow older because you naturally glom on to the music of your youth because that's when you're out socializing and that's the backdrop of right of whatnot and i just think that in this day of artificial synthesized music their refreshing natural uh, stripped down approach to music is just something to behold i just and it's different like i you don't listen you listen to rush and it's a different sound than you'll hear from any other band and that you may think that's a strength or that's a weakness, but that's just the way they are. They write, they write fantastic lyrics. I think that in particular, I, one of the songs I gave you was Closer to the Heart. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that one. That was off the Farewell to Kings album. And I just want to read a couple of the, of the verses here because I think it's really relevant today, especially if anybody's following politics in any country, anywhere, it goes off. And the men who hold high places must be the ones who start to mold a new reality closer to the heart, closer to the heart. Blacksmith and the artist reflected in their art. They forge their creativity closer to the heart. Yes, closer to the heart. Philosophers and plowmen, each must know his part to sow a new mentality closer to the heart. Yes, closer to the heart. You can be the captain, and I will draw the chart, sailing into destiny closer to the heart. So that's some pretty heavy stuff there. And it's done with a arrangement that sounds Victorian or, oh, what's the proper term? It's English, like with the traveling troubadours, that kind of music. So... Very interesting lyrics, and that's one of their shorter songs. But then they've got like some monsters. They got one album called Twenty One Twelve, and I think I gave you a link to a live performance of that. And they go from this beautiful acoustical guitar into some really hard driving rock with some amazing drum solos. And that one really shows off Neil Peart's ability with all the stuff that he does with his drum kits. He's doing the wind chimes and he's hitting the bells and all that kind of stuff. So. It's a group that you will have to come to with a certain mindset, and that is you want to hear musicians that are really good at playing their instruments. And if you like philosophical type of songs, some of the more conventional ones, Tom Sawyer is their biggest hit, and that's got a driving beat. And it's again, it's, it's irrelevant to today's world. Tom Sawyer from them, Mark Twain, Huckleberry Fintails, was a a rogue, a restless spirit, you could say, who saw who went on his own way. And the song of Tom Sawyer is like the modern name version of that kind of 
story. So it, it, I would say Rush, you have to work a little bit to get into Rush. and But I, I do think if you are willing to, to make a little bit of investment in time and energy, that the payoff is definitely there. You won't hear any any more technically proficient musicians. And I know that doesn't make for, that's not the only aspect of a band that makes them interesting to listen to because there's lots of studio musicians that are technically proficient as well. But these guys were pushing the boundaries at the time. And I think they're probably more popular now than they were during their live tours or during their actual time that they were together. And uh, I see this when I, I don't know if you do this, Jesse, but I often spend a lot of time on YouTube just looking at reactions to like movies and music and that. Yeah. So I naturally sure. gravitate towards the groups that I know. And I, I see a lot of these young people listening to Russia for the first time and they're all like blown away. If you do that little bit of thing, you'll see that there's Andy and Alex. Are you familiar with them? They're YouTubers. I don't know them. No, okay. Yeah. You should listen to their reaction to the spirit of radio. <laughs> It's pretty yeah. good. Because one of the things that struck me as we're list I'm listening to you talk is I did not realize they were just a trio. Yep. If I would have guessed, I would have said this is a eight or nine piece band that or has at least five or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That yep. this is we've got a couple of keyboardists, we have percussion, we've got guitars and the also, it's it's a very unique. The lead singer's voice is yep. very unique. Yeah, it's pretty high pitched. It is very yeah, high pitched. Some people are turned off by it. Um, yeah, but for sure. But yeah. for the songs that for their style of music, I got it actually works. I find, but yeah, and I think what's interesting is often when you become a fan of a band. Mm -hmm. And you start doing a deep dive, you start peeling back the onion, right? To yep. see originally you become fan of a band because you like how the song sounds, right? And you yep. get into it. And then when you start digging into it, good bands have something to say mm -hmm. that is more than just, and I love a love song as much as anyone else. Yeah. It can be fun. There can be there can be a simple thing, <laughs> but usually, right? You want a little bit more. That yeah. I what am I? I'm singing about something. Yeah. And one of the things that I did a little bit, and not as much as I I now want to, mm -hmm. is to have the lyrics in front of me, listening to the music. And right. going, okay, this is what they're saying, and this is what they're doing to understand that. Because when we did the Tragically Hip, I did get a chance to do a lot of deep dive into the themes and the stories they were exploring along with that music. Yeah, and I do think – I think you are really fair at – you – there are other bands too that you have to spend a little time with. Mm -hmm. You can't just turn them on. I love Queen, right? But yep. you put Queen on, you're like, man, there. Yeah, there and, you are. and Queen is a very accessible band 
Freddie yeah. Mercury's voice alone is worth the price of admission, right? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's I, that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. It's a very accessible band, right? Yeah. It is yeah. um Creedus Clearwater, John Frogerty, a lot of the Motown music, right? Yep. It just you're in that place and it feels you. Yep. I like that idea that you've got to work a little bit to do this. Now I do remember 2112 Mm-hmm. And my friends that may have been doing other things <laughs> that in the 70s yeah. that a a kid who was worried if I had one sip of beer, I would go to hell did <laughs> not partake in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but I think that's a I think that's unfair for Pink Floyd and it's unfair for them that if you try to put them in that band that category of someone you listen to when you're trying to get high. Cause yeah. I think that's that short chaining them. Don't you think? Yes, definitely. Yeah. There, there's certain bands like, like Pink Floyd or maybe Mike Oldfield's tubular bells. That's <laughs> you really could say that you'd want to be in a certain mood to enjoy that music. Yeah. To I think rush it's much more like at a having a drink kind of level yeah. or you just, yeah. You're just tired of the listening to pop music and whatnot, and you want something a little more in depth. Or yeah, there's another example I I could say that even though I think they're way more accessible, it would be Steely Dan, right? They right. they because but they're they're that band has an amazing array of studio musicians that are just top notch talent. So that's really what makes those songs seem so smooth. Like they're just those songs are just so smooth. Like they're they're like a good Scotch whiskey. This um, and that's not something that's easy to pull off, but they're not the kind of band that's going to be at a part or at the highlight of a party where people are dancing and whatnot. That's more like a kickback kind of music. And Rush is in that same vein. But even their poppier songs, like I think the Ra- the Spirit of Radio is probably their poppiest song. I, I don't know if, if you listened to that. Did you listen to that one? I think I did. Yeah. Okay. Because even in that one, like they talk about, and it's a love song to radio and it, it talks about begin the day with a friendly voice, a companion unobtrusive plays that song that's so elusive and the magic music makes your morning mood. Like they're talking about radio was so great and it was so free and all that, but then they get into it a little bit further and then they talk about what's going on with modern music. And I'll just read a couple of lines of the song from there. Bright antennas bristle with the energy, emotional feedback on a timeless wavelength, bearing a gift beyond price, almost free. All this machinery making modern music can still be open-hearted, not so coldly charted. It's really just a question of your honesty. Yeah, your honesty. One likes to believe in the freedom of music, but glittering prizes and endless compromises shatter the illusion of integrity. Like, that's pretty heavy stuff for a pop song. Yeah, it is. It's... uh, that and that, but that's the kind of stuff they wrote. And Rush, as a group, they Neil and uh, Alex were high school buddies, and their original drummer was a high school buddy as well. But he dropped out at the first album because of health problems. So then they brought in Neil Pert, and he is a very introverted person. He and unfortunately. He, Gord Downey, he tragically suffered from a brain tumor later on and then passed away in 2020. 
uh, and the band was just getting ready to gear up for another tour at that point. And that, but at that point, they'd been together for 35, 40 years. And, but they were very private. Neil had a really rough life. He lost his first wife and daughter within a year. And he just basically fell off the map. He got on his motorcycle and just drove around the country and just working things on his own. And he, like the other guys in the band had no clue where he was. They, they didn't talk. He didn't talk to them. And finally he came back after coming out to peace or to a place where he felt like he could move forward again. And then the band got together again. And unlike, and then when he got this illness, he had, the band knew about it for like maybe two years before they retired he kept it private and then he he spent his last year with his family and before he passed away and that whole time the other two members of the band knew that they weren't going to tour again because he was sick and that's that's the dynamic of their band they were a much more private band and for a lot of people in my age group growing up with them there was a lot because like the everybody liked rock and roll groups and whatnot rush was termed as a band for nerds and losers and the guys in the band are nerds themselves right? yeah like so. you talked about gene simmons right <laughs> yeah they're, all, they're reading books yeah but some some races the turtle slow and sure wins the race and i think that yeah. rush's legacy has been that they're music is being discovered by more people today because of the dissatisfaction with current music. And yeah. I think they're more popular now than they ever were before. So I do think if you give them a little bit of a chance, start with their more accessible stuff, like subdivisions is another song. I think I, I mentioned for you to listen to. Yeah. That's a pretty straightforward song about being outcast in a society where everything's predetermined and predecided, and mm-hmm. it's got a pretty good beat in that. And yeah, they've just got a, their songs got progressively more complicated and complex as they went along. And then when they got to moving pictures, they scaled back and, and made a more accessible song. So that's where like stuff like spirit of radio, Red Barchetta, which is about a red sports car. YYZ, Limelight, Living in the Limelight. They talk about their relationship between being a rock and roll star and the audience and how they didn't feel comfortable pretending that they liked everybody and stuff like that. So they were pretty honest, but they were, <laughs> they were nerds. Like they were, they had bad, some bad choices in <laughs> costumes. You see them with some earlier pictures wearing kimonos, silk kimonos and that. And it just looks so silly. But they were just some Canadian kids just doing their stuff. And they had more success in the States than the Tragically Hip did, that's for sure. Um, yeah. I think their big break was in Cleveland. And then they did all right with that. And then they toured with Raj, or Kiss. And then they, after that, they just they, they found their way. And I think that they're a very different band than you're going to get with your other typical bands. And because of that, they should be appreciated for their uniqueness. Yeah. So did you ever get a chance to see them live? No. I did not. Okay. <laughs> no. No. That's 
sounds like a little bit of regret on your part. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, I wish I had, but no, I never did. Uh-huh. And it's a sin because they were in my home city. Like I could have had tons of opportunities to see them live, but I just, I don't know why. I wasn't a big concert goer when I was younger. I think I thought, I yeah. think I saw maybe the BTO and Queen. Yeah. And John Cougar Mellencamp. And that was pretty well it. I think. Okay. Yeah. So I, I haven't gone to a lot of concerts. I'm not a crowd person. So, yeah. And plus in the area era, when I was growing up, when I went to live shows, I just found the music, the sound was so bad. Right? Like yeah. it's changed. It's changed a lot now. Yeah. In the exactly. Last 10 or 20 years, but yeah. In the earlier times, it just didn't sound good to me. So yeah. and I just said, I'd rather listen to the record. So, yeah. yeah. They are. It, as of 22, they are 84th in the U.S. with sales of 26 million albums, hmm. 14 platinum, three molten albums in the U.S., 17 platinum albums in Canada. They've been nominated for seven Grammy Awards, won several Juno Awards, yeah. and they are in the Canadian Music Hall of Fame as of 1994 and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame of 2013. Yep. Not bad for a couple of kids from Canada, right? That's right. Yep. Yeah. From, from the suburbs of Toronto. Very nice. Yeah. Any other thoughts about Rush before I ask you some Bruce questions? Okay. Any more thoughts about Rush? I would just recap it all by saying you might not on first listen immediately grab towards the band, but I think if you give it a little bit of work, go with some of their bigger hits and you, you're, they're easy to find what they are. Spirit of Radio, Tom Sawyer, Limelight, Subdivisions. I personally like Farewell to Kings quite a bit. Time Stand Still is, an, is a great song about how quickly life passes for everybody. And that, that's probably one of the more accessible tunes as well. And they are just fantastic musicians. And if you want to see top performing artists at their various position, music, instruments, then these are the guys to check out for sure. Yeah, I, I'm going to spend a little more time talking to them. I really... I was intrigued by it and was glad to spend some time. I was leery of talking to you because I thought Jesse's not going to really warm to these guys. I don't think, but, but I, I, there are times when we get stuck listening to our music. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I've talked about, I just recently, discover Jason Isbell and have mm-hmm. really enjoyed his music and there's other musicians I try to one of the things I'm exploring a lot is in in different writers mm-hmm. and different TV shows like we oh, that's one of the things we do yep. and and so sometimes you're like hey let's do that with music too Yep. Let's try something that you wouldn't think would be your cup of tea. Uh, mm-hmm. For ex- example, Midnight Mass. I never would have watched that unless right. you had suggested, hey, let's talk about this together. Right. And ended up really enjoying it. So I think Rush is going to end up being one of those yeah. things for me. And, and it's tough with music because it's such an emotional uh, 
response. There's no the, the objectively you could say, okay, this person plays a guitar better than this person, but that doesn't really matter if you don't connect with the songs. And yeah, Rush is much more of a a an esoteric kind of connection as opposed to an emotional. And so therefore it takes a little bit longer to get into them. But if you, yeah, if I think if you look at the lyrics while you listen to the songs and realize that they're going a, a lot deeper than your typical pop song, it's pretty amazing that the, what they were able to do. Good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. All right. So in our different discussions over the years, you have mm-hmm. brought up Bruce a couple of times. Okay. Can you remember when you first heard Bruce's music? Pretty sure it was Darkness on the Edge of Town album. Okay. And I think it was actually, was it that song? That might have been the first album, but, uh, and there was a lot of great songs in that album for sure. Yeah. But Jungle Land, for some reason, always jumped out at me. I, I remember that one vividly. I just thought that was quite an amazing song. And then oddly enough, one of my favorite songs by him that's not, but I think it's done better by somebody else is Blinded by the Light by Manford yeah. Man. <laughs> so that, yeah. That's always struck me as a weird one because when I hear Bruce's version, it's so slow. And then Manford yeah. Man just like ramps that baby up and uh, kicks ass with it. And I saw Bruce live. I saw him on his Born in the USA tour in Toronto. And that was a hell of a show. Like th- he was in his glory days back then. Like he was yeah. like, three, three, four hour shows, man. Oh man. That was unbelievable. And I'll never forget it because my brother lost his ticket on the, from the car to the, to the stand. No <laughs> so, way. So he said, you go ahead. He said, there's nothing I can do about it. And I said, you sure? And he said, yeah, go ahead. But he just listened to it outside the stadium. But uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. It was was quite funny and there of course there was somebody in the seat beside him but what could i say like i said we're like yeah <laughs> it's not you found that seat <laughs> and you've yeah. done that yeah but yeah. that was a fantastic concert for sure yeah so you casual a casual fan right like when you hear something you go oh yeah that's bruce oh yeah i'm stronger than casual but i i do admit i've gotten off of him the last little while because his older stuff is tense as we, when I did that other episode with you tends to be on the same kind of level all the time. And I prefer a more range, a dynamic range in the songs. And I thought his version of night moves was fantastic. I love that. Cause, but then that had a little bit of oomph to it too. Right. Whereas all those other songs are on the same plane. And that just doesn't really appeal to me that much. Yeah. uh, Lou was on me and he, we, Lou and Karen both talked about Western stars and mm-hmm. Bruce, you got, you had shared that it didn't just click for you, that the album, it was okay. You understood, yeah. but it wasn't yeah. something that floored you. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and he's an older guy now. Like, you know, yes, seriously, he is. He can only do so much. And that's the, uh, what he does now is it's still amazing for somebody at his age. Yeah. His, glo- his glory days are not there anymore so yeah and uh, i like his glory days better <laughs> yeah he's he's hitting about 240 250 on the latest tour the shows right about two uh, hours 45 minutes oh, okay. two hours and 50 pretty um, amazing for his age yeah, for, for 73 
Yeah. You know, yeah. That's pretty crazy. And he looks pretty good too. The only time you can tell he's old is when he actually starts moving. If he's in one spot and performing, but if yeah. he has to walk somewhere, then you can tell. But yeah, other than that, I, yeah, it's it's amazing. And every the only other guy that's even more amazing to me is like William Shatner, and that guy, but that guy's like ninety two or something. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you do wonder like how <laughs> could he do this? Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, some people uh, just have the the won the genetic lottery. I don't know. Yeah, it is just well, his mom is over a hundred. She yeah. does have dementia, but she mm. is she's still there so just in the genes yeah yeah in the genes yeah all right this has been a lot of fun lou i I always love visiting with you yeah for sure did i ask you the mary question when you were on for western stars the what question sir the mary question Mary. And I don't think I did. All right. No, I don't. So, think which... so I may have to cut this out, but that's okay. I think you'll be okay for to answer it. Okay. Uh, I end every podcast with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong is a honors English teacher that's now retired. But when he was teaching, he would give his students the lyrics to Thunder Road. And okay. they would read them. Mm-hmm. And they would treat it as if it was a poem. And he would ask his class at the end. Does Mary get in the car and then to Thunder Road? Ah. That is your question. Does Mary uh-huh. get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? I'm going to say yes, she does, because I'm an optimist. <laughs> but I could easily see somebody saying no. But why would you want to do that for a song or a story? Like, that's, yeah. that's not the promise of the song. So... It, don't, it wouldn't make sense for me. And if she didn't get in the car, then I think the song should make that clear. But but maybe that's Bruce's Rorschach test for everybody. <laughs> it is the lady and the tiger. Remember that we used to study yeah. that short story? Yeah. One of my favorite answers, by the way, it's about 50-50, Lou. Is about 50 people say, yes, she gets in the car. About 50% say we know. One of my favorites is a guy said, if the band is doing it live, she absolutely gets in the car because it's this <laughs> triumphant end. Yep. There's the saxophone. If it's Bruce doing it solo, she doesn't because he I could see the that. Song if he did like of, an acoustic version of it, yes, that, that it could just, easily be, yeah, yeah, because that's something you would want to do privately. But if she gets in the car, then yeah, you want the band there to celebrate. So, yeah. yeah. So I thought sense. that was yeah. a great ending. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah. yeah. All right, Lou, if someone wants to reach you, how can they and promote your YouTube channel? I will promote it because you're part of it. So that's easy. And the YouTube channel is probably inappropriately named Lou's Reviews, but I just inherited all this other material with it. Yes. But uh, really what it is, it's the home of our JKL Media Podcast, which stands for Jesse and Karen, who's not here, and me, Lou, so JKL. And we love to talk stuff. We, As Jesse mentioned earlier, we started with, uh, what was it again, Jesse, did we start with? Was it Farscape? Yeah, we did Farscape. Yep. Did we do and something before that? And then we did Babylon, no. Nope, nope, okay, did, Farscape, yep. yeah. And then we did, uh, I think you had you on for a couple of Stephen King yes. things. And you guys did a Castle podcast, and I came on for a couple of those. And then we decided to get together and uh, do Babylon 5, which is where we are currently now. And as of this recording, we're just slightly over halfway through the series, halfway through season three. 
and uh, you'll find that there as well. We do one-offs of various series. We're currently working our way through 12 monkeys. We're just three quarters point. We're on the fourth season now out of four, and that has been a blast. And we've been going through that quickly. We've been doing four episodes at a time. Really surprisingly enjoying that series. I don't know. How, we all keep seeing Jesse, especially how we missed it the first time it was on, but yeah, it's a fantastic series. I also have podcasts where I've interviewed some writers, uh, Richard Chismar, Robert Sawyer, Bev Vincent, a couple of the big ones that I've done. And then there's uh, the Stephen King podcast, which I haven't been keeping up with as much lately, but it's still there. And there's 10 years worth of back episodes to go through if, if you want to listen to those and all that fun stuff's there and uh, yeah it's as always it's always a blast talking to jesse about stuff and it's it's too bad that we can't get together physically more often or ever really beyond yeah. the dragon con we I think did it would be dragon a lot of fun con. yeah we did yeah. and it is it we both have shared this that every sunday we have now for almost two years mm-hmm. have booked every Sunday morning where it's Lou, Karen and I, and we talk Babylon five. And then I don't even know whose idea was it first, but like, Hey, do we want to do some one-offs? And mm-hmm. so we've, we've done, we did, we have talked, we did midnight mass Station uh, eleven, yeah, Station Eleven. That was really well. Devs, yeah, Devs, which was something we would have not talked about. Mm-hmm. I, and we rotate taking turns. And I, I believe the next thing we're going to do is HBO's Watchmen, uh, because you and Karen have not seen that, so we right. thought that would be a fun one. What mm-hmm. we try to do is at at least one or we try to get where there's two of us haven't seen it and the other one has or Mm -hmm. something none of us have seen like 12 monkeys none of us have seen and we enjoy so it's lots of fun it is a lot of fun lou i just love you i appreciate you (laughs) i do chief (laughs) i wish we were closer because it i do think that we would spend many hours just sitting here just visiting and talking absolutely Uh, yeah. yeah all right listeners thank you go check out lose reviews like us listen to us give us suggestions on what you'd like to cover i think we're going to do another canadian band in a couple of months tom cochran i'm mm-hmm. looking forward i'm going to do a deep dive on that we're going to have you back to discuss that and, yeah i think uh, you'll like or find him more accessible for sure yeah. he's a bruce springsteen john cougar kind of vibe i guess you could say okay good yeah. That sounds great. All right. Thank you, Lou. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.